Hello everyone and welcome to Nisa Day FC. I'm Josh Taylor. And for this episode, our final episode for 2022, I'm going to share my thoughts on that crazy World Cup final with the Argentina and France. And then we will talk about all the drama in the U.S. Open Cup fourth round qualifying matches. As we now know, the nine teams that will advance to the 2023 U.S. Open Cup Tournament. And I'll catch you up with all the latest NISA news since our last episode. So stay tuned, guys. we got an exciting episode coming up right now. Welcome back to the show, guys, and thanks for listening. And if you were a sports fan this past weekend, man, it was a great weekend for you guys. So much drama going on in the sports world. And of course, you know, on Sunday, the NFL, at least here in America, is king. But there was only one thing that could top off the NFL, even for a couple of hours, and that was the FIFA World Cup final. And... Wow, what a game it was in Qatar between France and Argentina. Of course, this match was hyped up going in with Lionel Messi against Kylian Mbappe. Of course, both these guys are teammates at Paris Saint-Germain. And they're playing, of course, on the world's biggest stage. And this was a battle for the ages. And I'm telling you right now, guys, the game did not disappoint. And... uh Certainly, watching this game, I felt like it was one of the best World Cup finals I've seen in a very long time. And, you know, even though Argentina prevailed and getting Lionel Messi, finally getting that first World Cup for him. And Argentina, their third World Cup title, first time they won it since 1986. And, you know, Messi, he, he set the FIFA record for the most all-time appearances in the men's tournament with 26. Wow, it was, a, it, was, it was a great game seeing Messi and Kylian Mbappe go at it. And while I was watching the game, you know, Argentina, you know, scored first. After France's Ousmane Dembele tripped up Angel Di Maria in the box and, of course, gets a penalty. And Messi goes up, does his thing, buries his penalty kick to put Argentina in the lead. And, of course, Angel Di Maria scored another goal to put Argentina up ahead 2-0 in the first half. And Argentina, they were dominating France. They were all over France. They took a lot of the possession in the first half. France didn't even get a shot, not one shot in the first half. Of course, their head coach, or our manager, I guess I should say, uh, Didier Deschamps made some changes right before halftime to try to get France back into this game. And it took France a long time, 75 minutes in the game. You're thinking, man, Argentina's going to hang on to the lead. But remember, back in the quarterfinals, they were up 2-0 against the Netherlands. Netherlands scored two late goals and went to extra time. And, of course, as we know, went to penalty kicks for Argentina. Prevailed. You thought they would learn their lesson. But Kylian Mbappe had other ideas. Of course, Argentina gave up a penalty kick around the 80th minute. And Mbappe converts the penalty kick. 
and France is down two to one, and then literally ninety seconds later, Mbappe scores a beautiful, thunderous volley shot to tie the game. And you're thinking, oh man, Argentina, they're gonna blow it again, and France is gonna somehow escape from this game. Goes to extra time, and in extra time, Messi gets a goal, and it's three two Argentina, and I was like stunned at the I was like I was saying when I was watching I was like wow what just happened like what just happened like the go is going to get that World Cup and go off in the sunset right but Argentina again what was like the 117th minute they give up another penalty kick to France and of course you know Kylian Mbappe does his thing he scores gets a hat trick and the game is tied 3-3, and we're going to penalty kicks. And in penalty kicks, you know, Messi scores, and then Mbappe scores, and then Argentina kept pressing on those penalty kicks, converting those shots. While France, you know, the next two guys that went up, one was saved, and then the next one for France was shot wide. And even though France got another to kind of keep them alive, you knew if Argentina scored that last one, they would win it, and that was the winning penalty kick and they won 4 to 2 for Argentina to win their third world cup first one since 1986 led by the late Diego Maradona back then and you know wow i mean with Messi you know it's you know i've always said all along Messi to me in the modern era of soccer has been one of the all-time greats i felt he didn't need a world cup to win it but to finally win it and, you know, prove all those doubters wrong, you know, it's kind of hard not to feel for Messi, like, wanting to prove it. At 35, you know, this was, a lot of people thought it was going to be his last chance to win it, and he found a way to, to finally get it to click and get that championship title for Argentina. And after watching the game on Sunday, that Messi has and now will always be the GOAT. It's... Not even comparison now. Ronaldo always gets compared to him, but Ronaldo, it's not even close. In this tournament, he only scored one goal. One goal for Portugal. Messi scored seven goals. So it's not even close. Now you can compare him to the likes of Pele and Maradona. I know Pele has three World Cup titles. You know, Diego Maradona is up there. And then you have um, Messi. Um, I don't think Messi's going to get three World Cup titles. But uh, the surprise was everyone thought he was going to retire. But Messi said, no, I'm still going to come back and play. So uh, we'll see him here in North America in 2026. And that will be interesting. Interesting to see that. For the U.S. men's national team, U.S. soccer has not decided what they're going to do yet with their head coaching position. I know there's been a lot of drama between Greg Berhalter and Gio Reyna. And that whole situation, and, you know, we don't know how it's going to play out. I mean, you would think maybe that might be enough to maybe U.S. soccer go a different direction, but this is U.S. soccer after all. We don't know what's going to happen, so we'll see what happens. But, you know, the World Cup, you know, watching the, the games, you know, the, the teams, you know, it, it was pretty cool uh, with obviously the wrapping up of that final. But, you know, Croatia... You know, they won the third place match. They beat Morocco 2-1. to one. And 
Morocco to me was the uh, the other cool story, you know, first African nation to make it to the semifinal. And, you know, going to that game, you know, they're carrying the the representing Africa, but also representing the Arab world. And watching a lot of the Morocco games, because I watch a lot of games, it felt it was basically a home game. Every every game they played was like a home game. And the only exception, of course, was Argentina. Argentina, watched a lot of their games, a lot of Argentina fans there. So it was uh, crazy. But uh, Morocco, you know, they made history too. And Croatia, they've proven that they're still, you know, going to be one of the major competitors in Europe, no matter what, and all that. But the other cool story was, you know, other Cinderella's like Japan, you know, beat Germany and Spain. That was cool. And, you know, Morocco winning their group. That was cool, too. And, you know, you wonder, is the world going to catch up to Europe and South America? Because those have... Since the World Cup has been going on, those are the two areas where they've won. So, who knows? Maybe 2026, we might see someone different. Who knows? But it's also hard not to feel for Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe, that man scored a hat trick. He scored a hat trick in that final. And yet his team still lost. But France is going to be back, guys. This team, I mean, Kylian Mbappe, they're motivated. They will come back. The only thing I wonder is, man, if they had Kareem Benzema, you know, he, I know he got injured right before the World Cup, but it's like, man, a healthy Kareem Benzema, like, probably would have made a difference. And they also didn't have Paul Pogba, and they also didn't have uh, Conte. So, yeah, I felt, man, if they had those guys, France probably would have won that game against Argentina. Probably would have won. And, unfortunately, we don't know about Benzema now, because after the World Cup final, he retired. So, we'll have to see what happens. But, just wanted to share my thoughts on the World Cup. And that's that. All right, guys, let's talk about the final round of qualifying for the 2023 U.S. Open Cup, where we had teams from the amateur side and semi-pro side try to qualify for the going into this final round this past weekend. We had three at Nissan Nation teams that had a chance to make it to the tournament. So let's start with Club De Leon FC. They had to go to South Carolina, take on the South Carolina United Heat. And they needed extra time, but they got it done as they won 2-1 to one in this match. Ignacio Ten Lopez scored the game-winning goal for Leon, and he also scored the equalizer via a penalty kick in the 90th minute after the South Carolina United Heat led 1-0 for most of the game. And then right down the wire, Club De Leon FC was able to get a late equalizer. Now, Club De Leon, they did have some drama towards the end of extra time. But one of the players, Matteo Borelli, he was sent off in the 118th minute. Uh, for a handball, that was the second yellow, so he got a red card. So, Club De Leon had to play down the man for a little bit. But, South Carolina United Heat, they had a free kick opportunity. And it was blocked by the wall for Leon. And, that was it. Club De Leon FC, their amateur side has advanced. And they have qualified for the U.S. Open Cup. Now, Club De Leon 
is in a bit of a dilemma at the moment because, well, since they already announced a month ago that they were planning to have a professional team and go to Nisa, some people are wondering like how that's going to work. Now, from what I understand, because Club de Leon is planning to have a professional side and an amateur side for next year, their amateur side would qualify and then they have the professional team that qualifies automatically because they're in a pro league. But those two sides can't play against each other in the opening rounds. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with U.S. soccer and what they're going to do. But that's at least my understanding. Because Club de Leon is not like with like Las Vegas Lights, like the LAFC is clearly running operations for that team and that or they're ineligible. Or like... The MLS Next Pro sides, most of them, except Rochester, New York FC, can't participate because they are owned by their MLS parent clubs. So, it does not look like that situation is going to apply for Club de Leon FC, since they have an amateur side and a pro side. Both those sides should be eligible to enter the tournament. And the players that participate in the qualifying rounds are cup tied, so they will not be able to play. Like, if they're on the professional team, they cannot play in the tournament. Capo FC, they needed to go to penalty kicks uh, after remaining nil-nil for 120 minutes, and they won on PKs 3-2 over Orange County FC. And Capo FC, they were the second Nisa Nation club to qualify for the Open Cup. Now, with Capo FC, they recently announced that they're going to go to, that they're going to be joining USL League 2 next year. So I don't know if, when they announce the draw, are they going to be classified still under Nisa Nation, or is there going to be USL League 2? I'm not sure. But, they did play in Nisa Nation this year, so I'm assuming that still counts. And Capo FC, congrats on those guys as well. They did it. And they're moving on to the big dance. Now, the other Nisa Nation team, the final Nisa Nation team that I had a chance to make the tournament was Battleborn FC. Unfortunately, they came up short in this round because Inter San Francisco put on a stellar performance as they cruised past Battleborn FC 5-1. And this game was in 20-degree weather. They had some snow out there. In Nevada, and you also had Matt Fondy, former professional player. This is this is the third time now he had a chance to that he got a team to a win year in situation, and the third time's charm as he finally got Inter San Francisco over the hump to get them to qualify for the US Open Cup for the first time, as he scored two goals in that match, and. For Matt Fondi, of course, back in 2019, he was with Olympic Club. And in 2022, he was with San Francisco Metro FC. Trying to get them to the tournament and came short. And the third time, with Inter San Francisco, he gets them over the line and they qualify. So congrats to them, Balborn FC. We'll have to wait and see what happens with them next. Some other notable, excuse me, some other notable games that happened 
Westchester United SC, they defeated Nova FC 2-1. Lansdowne Yonkers FC shuts out SC Vistula Garfield 2-0. UDA Soccer, they advance to the Open Cup, winning 4-1 on penalty kicks after the match ended 4-4 against Azteca FC. Defeaters Kicks Soccer Club, they got cup set by B-Man United. FC 4-3 in a thrilling game in that went to extra time. Now it's a final score. 4-3 in that one. Wow, what a crazy game. And, you know, B-Man United FC, that was a team that Chattanooga FC played in the friendly earlier this year. So it's cool to see another Tennessee team make it to the U.S. Open Cup. And we also got Miami United FC. They edged out Naples City FC 2-1 to to qualify for the 2023 U.S. Open Cup. Now let's talk about my boy Chicago House AC. As they qualified for the U.S. Open Cup for the first time after they won 8-7 on penalty kicks over Brock United FC after a 1-1 scoreline after extra time. Euclidus Mendonca scored for Brock United and A.R. Smith scored the equalizer for the house. And after no goals in 120 minutes, the match goes to penalty kicks. Uh, there was some drama there because I didn't watch the game because I was working, but I was following the updates on Slack and social media. And they were talking about it was dark, there was no lights on, and they talked to the refs, and they decided, oh, we're going to still play the penalty kicks, even though it's like dark outside. And from the screenshots that I saw from Chuck Carlson, it was dark. You can't, see, you can barely see the players like at all. So it was crazy. But Chicago House, they they won the penalty kick round eight to seven. And for Chicago House, we gotta talk about their goalkeeper Tony Halterman. It must be good to have a guy on your team that can make saves and score clutch penalty kicks. Tony Halterman, we gotta talk about him for Chicago House, their goalkeeper. He was very crucial to them for their run to make it to the U.S. Open Cup for the first time. You know, he scored the winning penalty kick back in the second round when they defeated 1927 SC. And uh, he also netted another goal. He made two saves in the shootout round. So for Tony Holderman, you know, doing his thing to keep the house in it. And, you know, they also have, you know, so-so and A.R. Smith. And, you know, just want to give a shout-out to Chicago House. You know, they they did it. They did it when 2022 was a very difficult year for them, trying to figure out their future. But, uh, you know, they, they got a home in the newest Premier League. They have a reserve team now, and things seem to be looking up. And now they've qualified for the U.S. Open Cup. So I'm happy to see how their journey in the Open Cup, now they made it, it's going to play out. We now have a possibility of a Chicago Derby. And wow, uh, Chicago Fire against Chicago House AC. Now, Chicago House got to take care of business. They got to get through the first or second round. I'm not sure which. They're going to probably be in the first round, so they got to start from the beginning. But they'll probably get through a couple rounds to make that a reality. But they got a shot now. So looking forward to see what's next. But Chicago House, despite all the adversity, they got through it and they, and they got done. And I remember when I worked for them last year, we had a situation where we had a preseason game 
or no, I think it was Nisa Independent Cup actually. They were going to Iowa to play Union Dubuque. And that was the game where the players were like on a bus and the bus had some issues, no AC or kept breaking down something. They got to the stadium late and despite that whole experience, the whole ordeal, and be on the bus for hours and hours, they beat Union Dubuque in that game. So Chicago House, all I'm just telling you, man, is no matter what that team goes through, Peter Wilt and that organization seems to find a way to keep pulling through. So shout out to Chicago House, you know, and you know, wish them good luck in the Open Cup. All right, so let's get into the NISA news segment around the association and see what's going on there. Let's start with NISA Nation. They announced the return of the Southwest region for spring 2023. The region will have up to 12 clubs featuring AS Los Angeles, Olympiacos CA, and SC Union Maricopa, formerly Valley FC Raiders, and they expect to release a schedule in February of 2023. Now, with Nisa Nation, as I mentioned, they announced a few weeks ago the return, and they have a Matt Morse being the new managing director of the league, trying to get things going. And I did mention in my last episode, I was wondering if they're going to have any of the same regions or maybe have some new ones and they're going to have teams uh, 12 teams featuring clubs in Southern California Arizona and Nevada so that's going to be very interesting and you know Matt Morse again the Nisa Nation director he talked about that a bit talking about Quote, we're creating the pathway for players and clubs in the Southwest region that connects real opportunities for advancement. From the pitch to the front office, Nisa Nation's mission is to help independent clubs create space to grow in their communities. We're actively seeking clubs that want to accelerate that process. So, Nisa Nation kind of hitting the reset button here, but now we got some things happening with Nisa Nation coming back. And we have the Southwest region. We'll see if we have the NorCal region, or I'm sorry, the Pacific region. And the Florida region, let's see if anything happens there. And of course, I'm not sure if the Northeast region will be back. But who knows? We, we may have some new regions coming up. But we'll have to wait and see. That kind of depends on how many teams they're able to get for spring 2023. So we'll keep you updated on the latest developments from Nisa Nation. Chattanooga FC, they were definitely in the news this week. They announced a preseason friendly against MLS side Atlanta United at Fort Finley. And that game will be on January 28th, 2023. So very excited to check out that match. I'm not sure if they're going to stream it. I think they would. I know these two sides played against each other in the U.S. Open Cup. So Chattanooga FC, they have an opportunity to, you know, Get back at Lang United. I know it's just a preseason friendly, but you know they they want to you know 
get this rivalry, get this thing going, you know, and, you know, kind of get a, a preseason out the way because these two sides, you know, they could meet each other again in the U.S. Open Cup in 2023. It could happen. We'll see. I'm still waiting for the Chattanooga Derby. That's what I really want. If the Chattanooga Derby happens between the Red Wolves and CFC, I might have to book a trip to go down there. Check it out. Just to see. All right, let's continue on with Chattanooga FC. They also announced that the 2022 NISA Golden Boot winner, Marcus Nagelstad, will return to the club next season. Nagelstad had 20 goals and added 7 assists for the boys in blue during their 2022 campaign. CFC also brings back Taylor Gray. Now, CFC also announced another signing, bringing on defender Joseph Perez. He had recently played with Cal United Strikers FC this past season. Now, CFC did announce some departures, some players that will be leaving the club. Uh, goalkeepers Alec Reddington and Kevin Gonzalez will be leaving the club, as well as Brett Jones, Tate Robertson, Nick Spielman, Frankie Martinez, Greg Stratton, Ian Ciro, Chris Bermudez, Luke Ferreira, and Roddy Green. All those players will not be returning for the club in 2023. And for Coach Ron Underwood, uh, I know that was a tough decision letting some of those guys go, but I have to think that Chattanooga FC must have some big signings that's going to have some big shoes to fill to replace some of these guys because some of these guys who let them go are really good players. Roddy Green, of course, we know about his backstory with Detroit CFC. Of course, Ian Zero played Chicago House. Chris Bermudez. And, uh, of course, Kevin Gonzalez, who was with Stumptown last, or last year. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the goalkeeper for Chattanooga FC as well. But I think Chattanooga FC, you know, after making great strides this year, getting to the second round of the NISA playoffs, this team has goals to, you know, want to win a championship. That's that's the goal that this team has set. And I have to think they got some big name players and some players in their academy and they're moving up to be ready to push this team on into 2023. Now, CFC fans, you may want to plug your ears for a bit because I got to talk about your noisy neighbors, Chattanooga Red Wolves, for a second. Now, they, in the USL League one, of course, and they announced they have hired Albion San Diego head coach Ziggy Horitowski as their new head coach. So, Albion San Diego will be have to looking for a new coach. Um, I haven't heard anything on who that will be internally or externally who they're looking at, but that is going to affect Albion San Diego, sure. And Albion San Diego, look, they had a great year bringing the, some of the players from their academy and their youth development team, moving them up, and then bringing in some veterans from NISA and other places to make a great year for Albion San Diego. Their first year as a professional side after taking over 1904 FC and getting to the NISA final. I know they came up short against Michigan Stars, but it just shows the challenging work that Ziggy Korotowski had to do to get this team where it is. And Albion... Where they are now is a much better situation than what they were a year ago. So, good luck to uh, Ziggy Kortowski over there with uh, the Red Wolves. But, I'm sure CFC 
<laughs> you know, if if we get that Chattanooga Derby that I'm hoping for, we'll have something to say about that. But we'll see. It'll be very fun to to watch. So the Maryland Bobcats FC announced on Wednesday night on Twitter that they're in serious negotiations to acquire a major amateur team. They tweeted the deadline is on Friday, September 23rd, and the club plans to announce updates on this acquisition at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on December 27th. Now, I don't know what amateur team that is. I know some people on Twitter are speculating Christos, Steel Pulse, but we don't know. We don't know. We'll have to wait until next week, guys, to see what happens. But that's if it does go through, I think that's very good for the Maryland Bobcats FC for sure. And finally, Flower City Union. They announced that they will be hosting their first team trials in January. Alright guys, it's time for my final thoughts on Nisa as a whole as we conclude 2022. As I mentioned, this was my last episode for 2022, but we will be back in January of 2023. I noticed when I was, because I'm on Anchor and you know a bunch of other places and checking out my shows and it seems like my interview shows seem to do a little better than like my regular shows where it's just me on here. So I'm going to try to do more interviews next year. That's that's my New Year's resolution, to try to do more interviews. I am working on a potential interview with Alex Lubianski, the head coach and GM for Gold Star FC Detroit. Uh, we've been talking about it. Uh, it'll most likely be in the new year, so January sometime. So look forward to that. We will have Brian Sykes hopefully get him back on the show early next year to talk about what's been going on in Savannah Clovers as they get ready. We're, I, don't, I don't know when the season's going to start, but <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to be close to having Savannah Clovers FC making their debut in NISA. So I'll catch up with those guys again and see how things are going in Savannah. My hope for at least before the season starts, once NISA announced the schedule and the teams, you know, Maybe I can try to do some type of preview show as for each club that's going to play next year. So that's a goal. But that's a goal for me, guys. More interviews next year. Kind of post my episodes a little more frequently. Of course, you know that depends on my work schedule. Uh, but we will, we will try to make it happen, guys. And hopefully I'll get a chance to travel to some of these NISA teams like Fodderstein Union or, or Maryland Bobcats or Albion San Diego just to name a few, to, uh, and Chattanooga, can't forget about Chattanooga, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, talk about the atmosphere, maybe interview some players, coaches, you know, talk to the supporters, and, and just kind of give a different dynamic for this podcast show, and put that stuff, that extra content on my other show, Nisa Extra Time. So that's some of my New Year's resolutions that I'm going to work on next year, but what are your New Year's resolutions, guys? For NISA or NISA Nation, what are your New Year's resolutions? We can also talk about the affiliate links too if you want, but what are your New Year's resolutions for NISA in 2023? Now, I know for 2022, at least NISA got through this year, 
You know, they had some issues. Nothing with the refs, at least. But, you know, we did have two expansion teams that were part of this league fold in the middle of the season. Um, Syracuse, of course, had some issues. We don't know their situation is going into 2023. And the final, you know, Michigan Stars, you know, they did it. They, they won the championship. I know some people, you know, may not like how they played, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they won. So someone's going to have to beat them next year and take that title from Michigan. Who is that going to be? That is the question. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Gold Star FC, Detroit's new stadium that they're working on building. And, you know, Michigan Stars, I, I still got to hear back from them on their stadium updates. So we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, I mean, 2022, as I look back in NISA, you know, they had a lot of question marks after, you know, Detroit left and, and everything. But they got through it. They got through it. Um, and uh, we'll have to see how 2023 goes. Another thing I kind of wonder is this year, of course, NISA was not being sports. They had all, all their games on 11 sports. But with the news that MLS obviously is going to be with Apple TV for next year and Fox Sports will broadcast some of their games, ESPN who has broadcast MLS games since its inception, they will not have any MLS games for 2023. And ESPN, they lost a lot of soccer coverage lately. You know, they don't have the Euros anymore. Of course, they, they, they let go of the World Cup a long time ago. They used to have Champions League back in the day. Now it's on CBS Sports. Uh, I know they still got, you know, La Liga, Bundesliga, and all that. But I, I kind of wonder, what's ESPN, at least as far as locally, domestically, what is ESPN going to do? The only soccer league they have for 2023 is is uh, the USL, the USL Championship and USL League One, because they had the Open Cup, but that's going to be on HBO and all that. So I wonder, you know, I think it's a you know slim chance, but <laughs> you know maybe Nisa might make a phone call. Yes, hey, you guys want some more soccer coverage? You know, want to get some of our games? You know. Just a thought, you know, because uh, what, what are those guys at ESPN going to do <laughs> with the soccer guys? So, you know, just a thought. But other than that, guys, <clears throat> um, it's been a great ride for 2022 for Nissan AFC. I appreciate all you guys' support, and we're going to keep going strong in 2023. And I wish you all a Happy holidays. Uh, Stay safe out there. And I look forward to seeing you next year. All right, everyone. Well, that will conclude this edition of Nisa Today FC. If you guys like the show, have suggestions, feedback, or comments, you can reach out to me on my personal Twitter page. It's at JT underscore Taylor 88. And if you like the show and want to keep up with all the latest news and updates, you can follow us on our social media handles. 
We're on Twitter at Lisa underscore Today FC. We're also on Instagram at Lisa underscore Today FC. And we're on Facebook at Lisa Today FC. You guys, once again, have a happy holiday season. Enjoy the rest of 2022. And I'll see you next year in January 2023. Bye for now.